Lord, I thank you for even what you do in us, Lord. We come in here and we are uh, carrying a load on our shoulders and sometimes we might not sway the first song. By the second song, we might sing the first or second stanza, but by the third song, Lord, maybe you, you free us up and let us sing out to you, God. We're thankful that, that you don't get mad with us on the first song. You're so patient. Your steadfast love just covers us. So now, Father, we pray that you would just have your way in this moment. Allow us to experience you. Remove me so people may hear from you clearly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I, uh, I'm curious to know, just by a show of hands, maybe it wasn't for 2023. Maybe it's been in the past. But please raise your hand if you have ever chosen to set a New Year's resolution. Mm-hmm. New Year's resolutions. They say that uh, 55% of people, their New Year's resolution will last less than a year. 11% less than six months. 14% last three months. 19% lasts just one month, and about 11% of us didn't even get to three weeks. We was like, man, I'm done. <laughs> I was listening to a, 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 a pastor talk about how at his gym he works out, and January 1st, the gym has eight treadmills, and they bring in an additional 16 because everybody says, this year, I'm going to do it. I'm going to really work out. I'm going to get it. So they, they got now, what's that, 16 plus 8? They got a good 24 treadmills ready for everybody. And he said, after two weeks, they send the 16 treadmills back. Because that's how many people drop off from signing up saying that I'm going to work out. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do all these things. And then people good intentions, maybe a good sale, maybe a, 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 somebody had this, you know, the, the outfit, and you know how we do, we get excited about something, let me go get the shoes, the hat, the workout gear, you know, you got all draped up, and then quit. Well, today's sermon in Hebrews is quite the opposite. The actual today's sermon is about you and I not giving up. Look at your neighbor and say, don't give up. Don't give up. Amen. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. We're just going to look at the first three verses. Somebody said, Pastor, it's only three verses. You might get us out early. <laughs> I know you got the kids, though, so I'm going to try to care for you. Hebrews chapter 12, <laughs> verses 1 through 3. And for our family that's at home, we thank you for worshiping and celebrating with us from home and making your home a sanctuary for this morning. Starting in verse 1, chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and 
the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Point number one, pastor, how do I not give up? Give me just some steps for making sure that I don't give up. Point number one on how you don't give up is be reminded that you are not alone. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, there's some previous folks that have been through what you have been through, and they were able to make it. As a pastor, my, my, this is my job and profession, but it is also my calling, and I can say wholeheartedly, I love what I do. I know that God has done something in me that has like wired me, made me for this. But I'm going to say something that's not really popular, that a lot of pastors won't be willing to say, and that's that there have been times when I have thought about quitting. There's been times where I've thought about no longer being a pastor. My professor at seminary, I laughed at him when he said, each one of you someday will think about it. You'll reconsider, is this the right thing for me? It's like, no, not me. And then I, I, I worked with someone and spent Hours upon hours making a plan together, 20, 30 hours working out something, and then they went and did the exact opposite. Like, hmm, Wendy's starting to look a little nicer. You know, somebody, somebody was kind and nice until I didn't do what they wanted to do, then they lied, and I'm like, ooh, lying hurts. Those expectations not fulfilled, and, 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 and there's a list upon list and upon list, and here's the thing. I know you can relate. I know you can relate because you work with people. If you've worked with another human, whether that human was your boss or whether that human was the client, at some point, another broken human is going to make you question, do I want to do this? Yes, those humans can be your kids. See, at some point you think about like, man, is this is this is this is this worth it? Is it's what the, the late nights, the early mornings, and and I'm here to tell you, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit when someone triggers you. Don't just quit when it starts to get a bit tough. Don't quit and give in. Be reminded that other people have gone through some rough, tough stuff, and they, by faith, were able to endure. 
That's why this verse connects us. That's why it says, therefore, you surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Therefore, there's some people that have gone before you that was able to make it work. Look at Moses. He gives us the example of Moses. Moses was a man that God used, but Moses came down. He like, Lord, look, look at them. They doing the exact opposite that I asked them to do. Seems like every direction I give, they want to second guess it. Even to the point of wanting to worship another God. And God gives the beautiful clarity to Moses that that he was to continue to follow his lead. It was by faith that Moses kept doing what the Lord asked of him. And then we get the other example. We get the example of Abraham, a brother who God said in verse 8 of the previous chapter, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, he said, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive it as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Let me see how that'll work for you. You come home and the emails say, pack up your stuff, go. Where? Go. Get all your stuff. Leave. See, see, we get examples of what it's like to not feel like everybody's on your side. We get examples of what it's like to not know where God is leading, but my faith is so strong in who he is that I will follow you blindly as long as you lead. And God is giving us an example of witnesses because what Satan wants all of us to do is think that our situation is very unique. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands my marriage. Nobody understands my job. Nobody understands my family. Nobody understands. No, no, no. It's a whole cloud of witnesses that before you, by faith, were able to endure, did not give up. So don't you give up. We get these models to show us and point us towards the Lord and expose Satan. But some of you got modern day models, too. I'm thankful for that list of the Hall of Fame in chapter 11, but some of you got some aunties that that love Jesus. Some of you got some cousins that love Jesus. Some of you have some grandmamas that love Jesus, and they can be modern-day models for you. And if you don't have somebody tangible, I pray that you would draw close to somebody in this church. And if you're not close to them, then you got names in the Bible. See, we are without excuse. Some of us used to use that excuse. Well, nobody showed me. God's like, I got pages showing you, son. I got pages outlining it for you, daughter. Don't give up. So first, we don't give up because we know we are not alone. God used them, and he can use us. Second, we don't give up because we choose to remove sin from our life. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop that. Stop that. It's just, it's just that easy. Continue in verse, verse 1. 
of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Hinders. See, hindering is, it has this connotation of something that's not necessarily bad at its essence, but it can still make your life more difficult. It might not be that bad, but, it, but, it's, but it's an added weight to your life. I know this day we got the kids in here. Kids, raise your hand. Okay, if you're a child... Uh, I want you to shake your hand if you've ever played a video game or watched a movie on a tablet. Okay. Now, has there ever been a time when you was watching that movie or you were on a tablet and your dad, mom, or auntie or uncle called you and you didn't come? Mmm, yeah. A couple of them said, hallelujah, it was me, pastor, it was me. Mm-hmm. You see, something can, it can be uh, uh, in and of itself not bad, but it can still lead you to be directed away from what you're supposed to be doing. It can still interrupt the goal of faith that God has for you. It can still hinder you. They got a, a recent poll, and I'm, I'm mad that they polled it because it's exposing me. They did it January 9th of this year. It says, according to recent data, the average person spends three hours and 15 minutes on their phone every single day. Every single day, the average person and one in five smartphone users spends upwards of four and a half hours on average on their phones. Is a phone in and of itself bad? No. Is a phone in and of itself evil? No. If you spend three and a half hours of your life doing something, could that hinder you from doing some other things God's got for you? Yes. You see, sometimes we don't get the message that God is like, I want all of you. I'm trying to see your faith to the fullest, and you got some things that's hindering you. Hindering you. See, it's easy to, to go to just those big things, which he's going to get to next to make sure he covers those too. While, while we're there, why don't I just read it? He said, throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles. Imagine it like this. And I haven't done this yet. Alex probably has. So if, you, if you're a runner, right? Runners, at time, their strength like needs to be like, like, like built up. And so they will put a, a strap around themselves with a tether that's attached to a little baby parachute. Not no big old jump out, the, jump out the plane parachute, but a little parachute. And it just makes tension while you're running. It makes it a little bit more difficult. That's something that would hinder you. It's not going to stop you, but it makes the run more difficult. Now, sin is like putting on giant cement blocks around your feet. See, sin stops you in your tracks. And he's saying, cut it. Cut it. If, if it hinders you, cut it. And that's, and that's why we have to have the unction of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, because stuff that hinders you, other people can't detect that easily. My family know like we'll be riding and uh, I'll see a nice car. 
I'd be like, dang, now that's cold. My wife sometimes, she'll say it. I hate what she'll say. But she'll be like, wish you looked at me like you look at that car. I'm like, girl. She calling me out. She be getting me. She getting me. But I, but I can, I can slip into a world where, where it, it is easy for me for two or three hours to enjoy cars, dunks, old schools. Uh, my, my dad, uh, like, like one of my sweetest memories is a, a old school Lincoln Town car that he had. And I mean, I, I felt like I could like throw a football in the back seat. This car was just so big, so smooth. And, and, and my mind, and I can, before I know it, be away from the family for a couple of hours just. But that's not, that, that, that hinders at times opportunities. It hinders moments where, where for a moment we're all at the dining room table hanging out, talking, not, not even just for the meal, just hanging out, talking, and where's dad? See, none of y'all would know, but that's a hindrance for me. That's the Holy Spirit saying to me, it ain't got to be bad for it not to be for your good. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to guide and speak to you and to help you even now consider what hinders you. And then what is sin? While I'm continuing to preach, I'd love for you to grab one of those yellow cards and grab one of those pins in the pew. Yes, you. And I want you to just write down one of the things that hinders you or one of the things that is sin. Write it down. Fold it up. Don't nobody got to see it and just come throw it up here. Because by the end of service, I want to pray over all the things that hinder us, that stop, that, that affect our faith. This is crucial to who we are as the people of God. And I would love for the Lord to help us cut those ties. Yup, it's going to be a little unorganized, a little chaotic. You, we, God will work with it. Let's go. Amen. So the second way is we remove sin. We stop ungodly things that would affect our character and keep us from moving forward in faith. And that's all God wants us to do is be his faithful people. There was, a, uh, there was a, an example of this where Jesus is about to about to, he, he's with the disciples, then he leaves, the disciples sail out, and then Jesus begins to walk on water. And in uh, Matthew chapter 14, it says just these few verses. It says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus said to him, come. Peter got out the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. And then listen to this verse. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. He saw the wind, got his focus off of Jesus, and began to sink. And Jesus didn't excuse. Jesus didn't say, 
Man, that was a lot of wind. I get it. He didn't say, hey, yeah, anybody, anytime you got it, just throw it up there. I don't even, you ain't rude. Just come walk on up. Do what you got to do. Uh, he, did, he, he, didn't, he didn't excuse Peter like, well, Pete, look, we in, we in the sea. It's deep. Like, I get it, you know. Listen to what he says to Peter. He says, he reached out his hand, he caught him, and he said, Oh, you of little faith. Faith. You see, faith is at its, at its, at its root. It's us staring at Jesus, keeping our focus on Christ. And any time there's something that would hinder us from that, cut it. Cut it. Stop it. Is it easy, pastor? No. Is it simple, pastor? No. Is it worth it, pastor? Yes. I don't know what your thing that hinders you is, but I know that it affects our ability to live by faith. Faith is trusting in God to lead my path. Sin is trusting in myself. That's the last thing we want to do. So first, if we don't give up because we are not alone and we got this cloud of witnesses with us and God used them and we know he can use them, he can use us. Then second, we don't give up because we remove sin and we get that thing up off of us. We cut those ties. We don't let it hinder us. We stay focused on the plan God has for us. Then third, we run our race. Look with me in. Again, in verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for us. Perseverance is like 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 he's he's, he's letting you know. That the, that the context of all of this is a marathon, not a sprint. So you might stumble a little bit. You get back up. You keep going. You might mess up a little bit. You get back up. You keep rolling. It's perseverance. There's no rush to this. It's steadfastness. The, but there's two things that is clear about this race. And the races is how you walk out the gospel in action. What it looks like for you to live out your faith. That's what the race is. There's two components to the race. First is that the race is done as a community. Notice it said, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 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 I remember, um, I remember my grandmother talking to me when I was starting to become, become a, a, a teenager. And you know life get a little bit more serious because when you're a teen, like, you, get, you get that voice and you're, you get the squeaky voice. And like, your voice is like very soft. And, and, and like people used to like get me uh, confused with my mother. They would call my house and be like, Avis. I'm like, no, Miss Ramon. You know, like, like, like I was... But, but when my voice changed, grandmama sat me down and said, hey, 
there's some stuff that you as a black man, you just can't do. You can't talk back to police. You can't steal. Because there's, there's entire systems set up that if you do something wrong, you don't get a solid pat, little tap on the hand. You get the whole sledgehammer coming down. So, son, there's some things you got to do. There's some behaviors you got to have that are different. This, this scripture is telling us that the race that we run as a community is a different lifestyle than that of the world. We don't operate like they operate. We do things differently. We are not known by the power of our fist. We're not known by the cutting ways of our tongue. We're not known by the revenge that we bring. We're supposed to be known by one four-letter word and one four-letter word only, and it is love. Love. That we take the high road as Sister Obama. Michelle said, I can remember her last name. We take the high road. We respond in love. We respond with godly character. We respond. Why? Because our faith is bigger than just our situation. So I don't have to respond with anger that cuts you and hurts you. God's got my good. I'm worried about you because you're trying to attack one of God's children. And so I respond in love. So we have to run this race together, but we also have to run this race as, as individuals. I was, uh, how, how many of y'all have ran a, a half marathon or a marathon before? You did eight of them, Robin? Hey, Robin did eight of them, you know what I'm saying? She run them backwards, you know? So, so when you're running, you, uh, you start timing yourself to see how long it takes you. And you start to know the number where, like, what you run a mile in. So I ran a half marathon some years ago, and, uh, and, and, and I knew my time. My time was about 10.30. Now, they say a good time is like, what, J.D., 8, 9 for running, running a mile? You're sprinting. You're rolling. All right. You, you're moving. Uh, I wasn't moving that way, y'all. I was like, you know, I'm just happy my feet didn't stop. That was my goal. Don't stop. Hold 13.1. And I'm going to say that point one because I felt that point one. So the the but but what happens when you go to get ready for a marathon or a half marathon, you line up and you line up according to the pace that you run. I didn't know this. So I'm getting there, and I'm like, okay, we all about to start. And they're like, oh, no, the, the fastest people are at the front. You back there, brother. <laughs> you, you, you back. You, so, okay, so I'm getting, I'm getting set. And then there's this dude, and he's got a, 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 a pole with a number. And that pole represents the pace that you're going to run at. He's the pace setter. He's the one that tries to help that group of people who runs at that pace get off to a decent pace. Then it just all blends once we get out. So, so it's, 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 it helps if you are just running, you're in your zone, you see your pace guy, you cool. But every now and then, 
you might mess around and look at somebody that's a different pace setter. Somebody that has been training, running, grueling, and they may be a they may be a, a Alex or a JD out there, and I'm a trotter. You know what I'm saying? I'm a trotter. If I try to run their race, you know how difficult that race is going to be for me? Do you know how quickly I'm going to be ready to quit? And the problem is way too often God gives us a race based on our faith and we looking, comparing why he got and I don't got. Why she got, why, how they get ahead that far, why I'm right here. No, baby, your race is your race. And God wants you to look and say, God, I'm thankful for the race that you've given me and the strength you've given me on my race. Because somebody else might be looking at me like, whoa, look at how fast he is. See, you don't know. But when your focus gets off and we try to run somebody else's pace, Faith can be destroyed. And so family, be okay. Greatly encouraging one another. The goal isn't how fast you run. The goal is that you don't quit. And I saw people walking. I saw people taking breaks. I saw people sprinting. I saw people on bikes, I saw a guy who had, had um, uh, an amputated leg and he had like, I mean, we saw everything, everything. And people were at their own pace. Run this life of faith that God has given you. It's designed just for you. But it's not designed for you to quit. All right, we're coming to the last one. We're coming to the last point. We got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The pioneer. He is the, the one who started it all. He is the ultimate model. If we had these Moses, these Abraham, these Rahabs, these sisters who were model examples of living out your faith, putting your faith in action. If we had those examples, Jesus is the beginning, the start of all faith. From him, all faith flows. I was talking to a sister in our body. She said, uh, Pastor, uh, I'm just trying to wait till my lights get back on. I'm like, lights off? She's like, yeah, I lost power in the storm, and this was like five days after. Now, I didn't know our neighborhood, our, our city still had people that was out five days after. Then it came back on and went back off a little bit more for her. It's like, man, 
you can try to do whatever you want, but how good, what, what's the worth of a house that has no power? Go ahead and decorate it. Try to cook you know, with no gas and no electricity. You can only eat chips for so long. You, you find ways to make some things work, but, but how long can you go? And family, this, this pioneer idea is, is, is like that of DTE. God is sending out faith through him. He is the epicenter of faith, and he sends it out unto his people and says, now I want y'all to be a light. I want you to walk this faith out in action. I want you to put it on full display so the world can see my Love in action. He's the start of it all. But he had us in mind. Because as the perfecter, he crystallized the beauty of our faith when he died on Calvary for our sake. When he took sin upon himself and died so that you and I could be able to be restored unto a beautiful relationship with God. And, but he didn't just stay dead. He rose. Rose. He rose. And so full resurrection power, full love, he sits and says, now at the hand of the Father. The right hand, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a place of authority. It's, 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 a, it's a position that, that signifies completion and signifies authority. And God looked and said, it is joyful for me to do this. Joyful. I've, I've watched that joy before. And many of you have had that type of joy. I've, I've seen you all in the kitchen getting excited about blessing your family for a meal. And then as you are getting together to bless the family, you get to them onions. You get to them onions. And them onions get the eyes going, the nose snotting a little bit. Them onions can be an irritating part of the process, but there's an end goal of how you plan to love and care for a family. You see, God is showing us here that, that the joy set before Jesus was to fulfill God's mission of reconciliation, and Jesus the whole time is looking towards the end goal of bringing the God bringing God glory and joy. The whole time he's like, I'm about to please my father. I'm about to do his will, and it's going to infect all of humanity. That joy is set before me, and with that joy, I can endure. And so when you have joy, does it bring pain? Yes, it says here, he endured the cross. When you have joy, can it bring forth people scorning you and downing you? Yes, when you have joy, can it bring forth folks throwing shame at you? Yes. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So then how should we respond? Verse 3. Consider. Might be one of the only places where I, I don't really like the word choice of the biblical writer. Consider. Because consider makes you think like, huh, ponder upon. But no, 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 this is like think deeply, wrestle with. Don't let this one get away. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't give up. Don't you give up. The joy Jesus has set before him was to see you experience love and to see you reconciled to the Father. He went through pain. He went through the cross. But mission accomplished. The mission was accomplished, and now you and I have a mission. It's to not give up. It's to not throw in the towel. It's to not say, this is too hard for us. No, let our faith be in action, and let us continue to live it out. i leave you with this short few sentences. A man named uh, John Emmons said, that the African impala can jump to a height of over 10 feet and cover a distance of greater than 30 feet. Yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in an enclosure in any zoo with only a three-foot wall. The animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will land. Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see And with faith, we are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life that only fear, hindrances, sin allow us to be entrapped by. Let us pray. Lord, let us take leaps for you. Let our faith be to the fullest because we don't have to understand where we land. We know where our spirits have landed and it's in you fully. So we will trust you blindly. Guide us, lead us, allow our faith to be to the full as our eyes are fixed on you. Don't let us give up, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray.